who is Cedric Tom? No, please don't give up, Mr. Tom. No, no, no. Why? Why we do this? Why? Oh, look, it's Colum. Ah, we hate the podcast. Although we love it, hates it, loves it. Oh, Cedric Tom. No, we have to podcast. We have to. But we why? must protect precious, precious. Why do we do this? Hello and welcome to another lovely episode of the Lasting Podcast. I'm your co-host, Mr. Taffy. I am your co-host, Shafiq. And is the return of the king eccentric Thomas Tom, uh, the Shire. Thomason. Thomas, Tom, Thomson. Of house... Of house Harryfoot. <laughs> <laughs> and like, yeah, I mean, all the... Curlyfoot. I was thinking more Curlyfoot. Curlyfoot. Curly no, no, the curly hair and stuff, you know. What? Okay, you don't even pay attention to their feet. I'm not. <laughs> I guess not. So yeah, attention to something else that's curly. So yeah, you've been paying attention to the opening uh, intro, and then if, uh, oh, we didn't even make the reference to Lima's bread and... Uh, Lima's? What was the thing called again? Lemba's bread. Lemba's bread. And the, potatoes and the potatoes. Uh, I think of lamb disease. You know, I'm thinking of, I'm thinking of nasi lemak. Because there it's basically banana leaf, you know, wrapping bread. With probably... Mm. It looks like kaya. Ooh, with a nice little sambal and the ikambilis yeah, on the side. Probably tastes amazing right up there along Mount Doom. Yes, yes, we're having a Lord of the Rings and episode. And here's a Singaporean flavour <laughs> to this Lord of the Rings podcast. There you go. I mean, it's not a Lord of the Rings podcast. This is the last King podcast, The Return of the King. And we just want to feel like because of the thing that we're going to be doing later on in the second half, we thought maybe we'll just talk a bit about what Lord of the Rings has done for us. Yeah, this is basically... What are we talking about in the second half, Mr. Toffee? I believe we're going to talk about Middle-Earth Shadow of War, which Shadow came out War. this month. At this, this time month. of recording, yes. On October. That's a very specific time. This month, something came out. No, it released, I think, uh, two weeks ago now? As of this recording? Yeah. yeah okay, two, uh, two weeks. weeks ago, yeah. yeah. So you're a good, maybe 20... 20, 25 hours okay. in, yeah. Yeah, you spent a lot of time in this. So oh, far. yes I did. Anyway, uh, that's for the second half of the show. First, yes. we're going to talk about how we first came to know and love the world of the Lord of the Rings. Middle Earth, you know. And all the names that come to it that I'm sure everyone knows. Mordor. The Nazgul. Gondor. Ringwraiths. Yeah, it? and I'm talking about place names, man. Oh, sorry, sorry. <laughs> I'm, I'm going straight to the demons and the monsters and ghosts and whatnot. I really like Gorgoroth because they're also the name of a really awesome black metal band. Oh. Actually, <laughs> you know, a lot of them are named... Yeah, a lot of these places were later stolen by a lot of metal bands. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, if you like metal and you like Lord of the Rings, please listen to Blind Guardian. They have nothing but like Tolkien references in all their lyrics, uh, but uh, I digress. So we're gonna talk about probably one of the most important uh, fantasy books. Fantasy books. I mean, it Absolutely. inspired everybody, everything. I mean, like it's safe to say, if it wasn't for Lord of the Rings or the success of Lord of the Rings or those films, I mean, Game of Thrones wouldn't even be happening right now. Absolutely not. I mean, like people would even say like, oh, but Conan did it before, or maybe I would say. Uh, Arguably, they, we're talking more like the fantasy. Stuff yeah, like, like the elves stuff, and the mystical The so stuff which less Now when you think of any kind of fantasy archetype You yeah. think of that You think of the tall thin elf that's good at archery You think of the stout dwarf with a northern accent And the orcs, the army and whatnot, the goblins yeah. And even the dragons of course Who Basically can forget a dragons? lot of white people huh? That's what we're trying to see right? <laughs> I guess so yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah I'm not <laughs> When you look at that. Conan the Barbarian That's more of less like a very hardcore it's kind sandals. of It's Sword and Sandals I think that's what Sword and Sandals Sword and Sandals which was I guess the stuff which came before I mean, I would say, yeah, I would say that, but also at the same time, but then, like, Lord of the Rings, 
the books like I mean this is the kind of thing that existed when our dads were kids and oh yeah I mean what is there anything that predates Lord of the Rings in terms of I mean I guess you have the closest I can think of is Edgar Rice Burroughs because he had a kind of fantasy element to his science fiction writing but yeah, that's I mean, like John Carrey and yeah. Mars and exactly stuff like that, that is pretty much that's more like fantasy. pulp mixing things yeah. up you know so I mean I think it's probably really amazing like I mean I'm pretty sure like you know you can even say like the tales of King Arthur, mm-hmm. yeah, and not like and like a lot of myth, myth, medieval mythology and stuff, but that would influence this, like you know. And there's a lot of Norse mythology, especially which uh, gets influenced, like especially the rings of power, the idea of wraiths that are tied to physical objects. Uh, that's all very, very much Norse mythology. Also, dwarves, dragons, giants, ogres. And I would say this also, especially with the Long Rings, is one of the few uh, books and series that actually defined character traits absolutely mm, because mm. like if you yes. recall right i mean he, here's the thing where, where is your argument with this when you think of the word elf do yeah. you think of santa's elf or do you think of legolas i think of legolas, legolas. we also think of legolas nowadays because now like there was a time when you were a little kid before you were introduced to like something like lord of the rings right and then the conception of an elf is like this little like impish thing this tiny cute thing that would fix your shoe (laughs) or work in a workshop you know well actually I read the second Harry Potter book before I read The Hobbit Uh and that's the first time Rowling introduces elves and that for me was the elf archetype this tiny little wretched creature in a a blanket slaves right yeah yeah. (laughs) mine would be like you know the the Enid Blyton books because elves are like these cute little pixie things the one who fixes the shoes right Yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah So all of a sudden you have Lord of the Rings and they're like, oh, elves are like bigger than humans and they have pointy ears and they live longer and they're played by Liv Tyler. <laughs> wow! Yeah, Liv Tyler, Agent Smith. They're basically OP humans. OP yeah. humans, yeah, there you go. Uh, or you can call the, the, the master Hell. race. <laughs> oh, yeah. Hell, without L-O-T-R, we wouldn't even have like D&D at all, right? Um, no, it came out after. Yeah, D&D came out after. It. After Lord of the Rings, because Lord of the Rings came out in the late sixties, early seventies, right? Probably around there. But uh, yeah, but you know what? Every other podcast has already done their the history of yeah. uh, Lord of the Rings. So let's yeah. talk about personally. How did we get into this? Let's call it a franchise. It, it is what it is. It's it is a franchise. Yes, yeah, it's a franchise. Yeah. Definitely. So I guess we all started by reading The Hobbit, right? Not really. No? I, I read mm. the books first. I mean, I read uh, Fellowship and. I didn't even finish the trilogy when it was introduced to me. No, really? Because, like, uh, I was introduced to it in high school, and it was like one of my best friends, like, passed it to me. And, like, we were, like, a bunch of fantasy nerds, right? Okay. And this is, like, the kind of book where, like, his dad gave it to him, and he's like, oh, my dad gave me this book, and he thinks that you would enjoy this too. And then, like, when I read it. Much like like, swords are passed down in uh, that book. Yeah, much like like swords and uh, weird trinkets. The Shards of the Fellowship. (laughs) There you go. The book that made me not lose my virginity. That's a story for another time, <laughs> definitely. I use it to keep the door closed. Anyway, <laughs> but the thing is, now, uh, one thing I would say about the books is like, very overwhelming. <laughs> I mean, Absolutely. I mean, talk about a immediate res star. It's like, you're in a party. For who? For someone who's very old and it's all full of halflings. What are halflings? Short people. Stop asking questions. And there's a wizard. Where did he come? It's a wizard. He's really cool. He's not doing anything. He's, a, he's cool. Now, they're going to... That's the first two chapters, right? Yes. (laughs) And then he's going to put on a ring and he disappears. Where did this ring come from? He got it from a previous adventure when he killed a dragon. What are you talking about? No, but I would say this, right? Especially about the the appearance of the ring, like like around chapter two. 
It's like, oh, finally, does the, the, the story start now? Mm-hmm. Nope. nope. <laughs> We've got another five chapters of bullshit. Like, People uh, sitting at campfires and walking. Let's talk about our Jesus. neighbors. <laughs> let's walk around this area. Let's talk about our in-laws. I mean, that's where <laughs> 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 That's where the action is back in the day. It's like, you know, oh, we don't want to talk about the Sackville Bagginses and how much they want to have our hands on the silverware. This is why when I read The Hobbit, the adaptation, in the comic book form in 1989, I was glad they had these things going on because yeah. it was something more visual than something I can actually digest. Why did they on that? Where did you find that? Uh, that was, I think someone bought it from me on a Christmas in 91 or 92. It, it was, um, okay, I got the name written down here. Uh, Chuck Dixon, I think he did X-Men and a bunch of DC comic stuff. This is like a Marvel imprint or DC? No, this was, Independent. might be a Marvel thing. David maybe, maybe. Wenzel. Uh, the, the art was done by David Wenzel. Oh, okay. It looked friggin' beautiful. Uh, him yeah. in the 80s, yeah, he was... Good stuff, good stuff. I mean, when he illustrated Smog, when he illustrated the Battle of the Five Armies, short but sweet, you can see the bear, the guy transformed to a bear and just bear hug the shit out of the goblins. Short good but stuff. sweet, yeah. yeah. Something Very good I stuff. wish the films were. <laughs> yeah. But it was, it was good. Everything's all compressed and, you know, I didn't need to actually read the book. I mean, even though I did read it, I was like, ah, I prefer the adaptation better. The comic book, in a sense. I mean, so this was your first introduction, just this comic book series? Um, not just that, but also the first book, Fellowship of the Ring, which, after watching the movie, I was like, I don't think I can ever go back to the book ever again. Why do you say Why that? that? I don't know, because the book itself, as much as it's very detailed, which I actually appreciate Tolkien wait, wait, for doing. Who's Tom Bumberdill again? Exactly, <laughs> there you go. Like, can you imagine if they included that in the movie? It's like, is asking mainstream audiences, okay, we have this rip-roaring adventure, yeah. but we're gonna spend half an hour with a fat guy in the forest. Yes, I, I that's the stuff I couldn't get into, I don't know why, you honestly. Know, I also really appreciate it, like, when they cut down the elven. Yeah. yeah. You know, like, there's a lot of people, like, a lot of friends of mine who, like, watch the movies and they thought, oh, I need to read the books because then it'll like, expand on, like, all this. And then I'll, I always say, like, Okay, here's a warning. <laughs> There's a lot of singing. Yeah. There's a lot of singing in not English. <laughs> and also another thing, yeah, like it's fun to look at it, but when you read it, and especially in that... You have to be in the right frame of mind to read that, it, unfortunately. Jeff prose, the way he describes things. Yes. Dodgy as hell. And very flowery in the weirdest places. And the thing is, you can see how he banks the ends of his sentences. Like, mm. okay, there should be a comma there, or you should... That, like, he just keeps going and going. Though to be fair, when I was writing essays back then in high school and even college, I did follow that kind of way of you know writing per well, se. Tolkien, a little bit. I copied basically, you know, back and forth. Because Tolkien was an academic. He was a professor of linguistics and Anglo-Saxon culture yeah. at King. So I so I guess in a, so I guess in a way it kinda of influenced my writing up till now in a way, but at the same time, after watching the movies, I was like, yeah, I again can't go back to that. But I, think I did read the books after and they still hold up but I did mm. skip the first chapter and the yes. scoring of the Shire as well because my god if there ever was a chapter that needed to be cut by an editor it was scouring of the Shire there you go <laughs> when Saruman attacks the Shire after yeah. the end of the movie yeah. Supposed to, yeah I remember that it's like okay yes I know you have your feelings about uh, World War II Germany you don't need to be that emphatic mm. is that the reasoning for it? There were, there were definitely influences. He got many of his, most of his influences from the First World War, but that part was definitely Hitler's rise to power. Because uh, really. he wrote it after seeing... Wait, Saruman's a Hitler reference? Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I see it now. <laughs> okay, thanks for the alignment. Has Christopher Lee ever played a Nazi? Probably. Uh, he, made a good, he made a good Nazi. He's, yeah. he's God played him. every God villain under the sun and under the moon, so I wouldn't be surprised. And under the Death Star. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> 
He was Count Dooku. Oh yes. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I know. You're trying to repress yeah, the, like, the, like the original, words, the, the, the new trilogy. That the prequel trilogy. The true exists. trilogy. The sir. new trilogy. <laughs> oh, that hurts. <laughs> but anyway, yeah. So, I mean, we can talk as much as we want about the books. But thing is, like, let's all just basically agree. Unless you have the, the balls for it, it's quite an undertaking. <laughs> it is. It it's something like. Uh, my father, you know, God love him, he read it to me when I was eight, nine. A wee lad. Yeah. Took us a year and a half to get it through that film, that book. <laughs> and he, he tried his very best to sing all of the songs. Really? Yeah. Although, I remember some point thinking, can you please stop singing so we can get to the actual story. Oh, you probably did he do an Elven accent? Did he, did he change his pitch up a bit? When uh, you... so I... Not that much. I mean, you know, he's he's not a professional actor or voice actor. He he was just you know a dude reading to his son. Yeah. You know the thing is, listening to your voice, I can imagine your dad having like an amazing like John Gielgud style like accent. Oh, Tom, my dear boy, <laughs> let me tell you about the tale. He's not that old. Fuck you. <laughs> back in my day. Back in my day, before the war. But that's the thing. It was a shared experience for me and him. Aww. We both went to see the film as well. Yeah. The films as well. And we both absolutely fell in love. With it. And I think it's the first time we both genuinely enjoyed a film together. Although he was turned turned off by the way they uh, animated the ends in the second film. Oh, the trees? Yeah, he said they were a bit too tree-like. He said they needed to be a bit more less tree-like. Yeah, they need to be like they were meant to be men who kind of look like trees from a distance, not you know be living trees. They're okay. meant to be the ones who shepherd the real trees. I mean, that's when you know my dad is actually a nerd, even though he tries to hide it. <laughs> no. Is even more annoying was like they decided to have like the end speak like that. Yeah, I mean, like okay, this is going on for way too long. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, like the thing is, people complain a lot about like Lord of the Rings, especially the, the third film's like pacing and the seven endings and the seven the, the endings. endings, the endings. But like you just if you just sped up the end sections, have them like speak at normal pace. That's a good half hour off, I would say. Oh, absolutely. And to be honest, I still maintain that Two Towers is the weakest of the trilogy. Even though I like despite despite the, the awesome fight scene. Oh, the fight scenes were great. You know, notwithstanding Legolas uh, skateboarding down the stairs. Yeah, that was like... Yeah, you're trying to make Legolas look too much like a badass. Also, That's a problem there. with thing where it needed to count. It's yeah. like, you know, this is a dude who's been getting shot in the eye categorically. And when it comes, there's a guy with a light source running towards you. And he whiffs twice in the shoulder. In a straight line. Yes. In a straight, he's not even zigzagging. It's like the goblin bomb ring. Yeah, this should be easy for you. And now everyone's dead because you fucked up. <laughs> Great job, man. I Great mean, job. Of course, we're all talking about the Bell of Helms. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I, if you don't understand what we're referencing, this pop, this particular episode is probably not going to be for you. But if you've never seen uh, Lord of the Rings... I think everyone must have seen the Lord of the Rings film because they were fucking blockbusters. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. even non-fantasy fans have seen it or heard of it. There were so many parodies of it back at the time, too. Oh, MTV yeah. and all that. And I mean, what I like about Lord of the Rings is like, it was finally... A film franchise that blew me away in the way like Star Wars did when I was younger mm -hmm. because like nothing did that for a while like for me like the first thing that really captured my imagination was like watching Star Wars and then after that was like like the Back to the Future trilogy and then the Terminator trilogy yeah. 
And then came Lord of the Rings, and then a lot of us were thinking like, oh, this is gonna be some rinky dink uh, fantasy film. Like, oh, yeah, it was anything seen, but rinky dink, Legend, man. We've seen Crawl. We've seen like a lot of Hollywood's attempts at Willow. Yeah, you know, oh, Willow. Willow, uh, Willow was good, but yeah. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> it wasn't. And then like, it's it, alright. It's good. No, it's it's cute. It's it gave good. Warwick Davis a reason. But anyway, at the end of the day, when you see Lord of the Rings, one way actually gave. Precedent, like credibility to a fantasy universe. I mean, but not just that. Like the thing is the scale and how epic it was. Because like the way that first movie started out was pretty. Uh, well, okay, it took its time. Yeah. And also. That's like, all it need. But I mean, talk about a way to stop saying we're not gonna fuck around with the battles because yeah. within. We're gonna show you this kick-ass fight scene that starts off the minutes, entire thing. Yeah, you start out with you know those are that intro. Huh? Yeah. Those are extras. <laughs> those are extras pulling that shit yeah. off. Because like, we, we don't all those orcs are running from left to right and they're all simultaneously killing them left to right. Yeah, that, that was, was damn cool. That was an shot awesome, awesome, awesome shot. Yes. No, but also so it is right, and then like you know the I mean it, it's a great origin story because you find your reluctant hero, then you find the mentor figure. Oh, Star Wars anybody? Hmm. And then like you find the, the the ragtag band of people to follow this person on his journey. Which yeah, you've is, got the D and D trilogy, you know. <laughs> yep, there you go. <laughs> You've got, you know, walking meme himself, Mr. Sean Bean. Yes. Uh-huh. Simply walk into, you know where. Yes, dot, dot, dot. And it's so funny that that meme has the wrong picture. That's him talking about the eye of Sauron. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like, and the great eye of Sauron. This big! <laughs> <laughs> like, the great eye. Are you sure you're talking about uh, his eye? Yeah. But anyway, uh, then of course we meet, you know, uh, action figures, uh, Legolas and Gimli. Mm-hmm. And finally, who else was added to this? Eh? Like. Viggo Mortensen as Strider, Aragorn, son of. I forgot. Yeah, and he was, he was second Aragorn. choice. <laughs> Who was the original guy? Uh, some guy called Stuart Townsend, I think. Stuart Townsend. Oh, he played fucking uh, Queen of the Damned. He was the the second Lestat after Tom Cruise. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so he was original choice. He would be a terrible. Uh, he would yeah, have been bad actually. He was, he was the original choice until I think there was some schedule conflict. Then they mm-hmm. flew in. This weird half Norwegian actor no, no, but who turned out to be a nutcase. <laughs> no, no, but okay. Was Viggo a nutcase? Really? I was, I was, I was a... He camped out the entire time they were filming, and most of the time they had to do trick shots, like in the Minds of Morion, you know, just they only film one side of his face, because he fell over and bruised the oh, other half. Oh my god. So I'd actually took around that. Oh man. Or in the second film when he kicks the orc head. That's him breaking his toe. Oh shit! Oh, I remember that's... then he goes to his knees and just starts screaming. Right? Oh man! And he looks like he's in anguish. I was like, "Oh, that's so good!" And then when it comes, like, "Fuck my foot!" He actually kicked him. Yeah, mm-hmm. and Jackson was such an asshole to keep it in. <laughs> no, no, that's the best shot. That's the yeah. best take right there. You know, that's realism right there. But I also say this right. You know, you gotta check out his. I don't know if it was the movie directly before this, but like the first time I was introduced to Viggo Mortensen was in this. Um, Crazy uh, angels and Satan movie, uh, the prophecy was it, where he played Satan. Mm. Oh, opposite Christopher Walken's Gabriel or something. You should check it out. That sounds weird. You would love it, <laughs> Christopher Walken. Yeah, yeah. Speaking of which, back to Lord of the Rings. Yes. he was a kick-ass summer Saruman. Who Christopher Walken? Oh, sorry, Christopher Lee. Lee. Sorry, I think you talk- Oh Rob my god, so, from one Christopher to another Christopher. Mr. Toffee here is slowly losing his mind. Yes. <laughs> Are you not wearing the ring right now? Oh Take shit, I off. am. Oh god. I think he's been staring too long at the Palantir. Yeah. <laughs> mm. <laughs> but seriously, uh, like, so the movies came and went. Mm-hmm. Do we want to talk about The Hobbit after that? Uh, I don't. That, that might be take too long, let's, though. Yeah. Well, let's just keep it brief. My Keep God, it to the original trilogy. Wasn't that a disappointment? Wasn't that unnecessarily... 
long and overextended thing. Yeah. And if you look at the behind the scenes stuff, you could tell that no one's heart was in it. Like, Except for the Benedict Cumberbatch. Oh, no, but because Cumberbatch <laughs> is a consumer actor. Like, he you know, played the dragon well. <laughs> he I voiced think, the dragon well. <laughs> I think he wanted to, but Jackson had no heart in it. Like his big speech before they began production was, "Let's get this over with." <laughs> and shit, you know, it's on tape. That's what he said. Uh, like compare that to Jackson from uh, filming Lord of the Rings when he was, you know, like a kid in the biggest toy box in the world. I mean, because you have to understand, like when he was doing Lord of the Rings, this was him taking the biggest risk and gamble of his entire career. Yeah. He was banking everything. So he was on pouring a trilogy. everything mm. into it. And then, like, he got all the Oscars. He got all the money. He made his dream project, which was King Kong, which was eh, yeah. Well, there you know, and then like this is him basically. What is it, what do you, what's the word for it? Contractual obligation. Where, yeah, because just to tap into that Lord of the Rings well. It was because Del Toro pulled out for I can't remember why he pulled out. But, I think there was some conflict where someone promised to make Masters of Madness finally, and then it didn't happen. Mm. I would love to see that. No, but also I think this was around the same time where like. Didn't the Halo movie also fall through because like, yeah. Jackson was oh, supposed to be Jackson. involved in that, right? Yeah. Like, and with Neil Bloomkamp, right? Yeah. And it was like... He, he went on to make District 9. Mm. So I think, you know... I guess yeah. it worked out. I just remember it being referenced in the Entourage uh, TV show, remember? Oh, oh. They called Peter Jackson and he's like at Weta in a, like, a green screen outfit. Like, just basically saying, Oh yeah, we're gonna make a video game now. You're gonna star in it. And I'm like, mm. oh, okay. <laughs> so like, yeah. do you think that will ever happen, the Halo movie? Mm, probably not. Fuck no. No. No, I mean, unless it's an Ubisoft title, there's never ever gonna be a video game movie made. I think like the, Ubisoft's the only company which has money to throw out these projects now. Well, it used to be Square Enix, right? Yeah. Well, but should we just head back to Lord of the Rings yeah, and the film itself? <laughs> like, what were the scenes that actually stuck in your mind from all from the original trilogy? I mean, still my favorite scene to this day is the Charge of the Rohirrim in the third movie. Ooh, man. Which is oh when, when Gandalf he, comes down the mountain. <coughs> no, I don't know. in the third movie where they it's a slow orchestra build up. Then you have Theoden making his speech. Oh, for Frodo. Yeah, no, no, <laughs> ride, ride to ruin, and a, and the world's ending. Okay. And then they start screaming death, and they charge down. The orchestra's welling. The orcs are firing. Some of people are dying, but the charge continues. Orchestra wells. The orcs start shitting themselves, and you're terrified. Like oh shit, what's going on? Like build up, build up, build up. Then silence, smash. And it is just the biggest build-up and payoff in any movie. And because it is 300 guys on horses digitally augmented to the 6,000 against equal 100 numbers of uh, volunteers, stuntmen. And it is the most beautiful charge scene of any movie. I agree. I think it's like nothing nothing has topped that. And the only thing that's ever come close was that uh, Game of Thrones episode. The Battle of the, the Bastards. One the, oh, Bast- Bastards. Yeah, where no, this feels like an epic, like it's just like bodies and yeah. very claustrophobic I mean, feel. That wins over for realism, but that one was just, this is what you th- dream of or what you imagine when yeah, you read about fantasy charges. And no film has ever, ever managed to recreate that particular scene. Because we live in a strange world where the economy just doesn't afford that anymore yeah it's like, like they, even a marvel movie like a movie about superheroes and the best you can do is have five and five clashes at max yeah i mean we this can't, was epic yeah we, yeah we can't think about it what was the last film to have proper large scale um extras fighting i think it was the last samurai probably last that was 2004 right yeah five? yeah 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 back when they oh. they could still get away with whitewashing Japanese history. i'll also say that the brad pitt movie troy was not bad also 
Yeah, but, but like you could a, definitely see where they were digitally adding extras. No, but I mean, yeah. in the sense of scale. In sense like, of scale, it's yeah. It's just like look at look at all these flanks coming at you, mm-hmm. and like that never. Yeah, did not Hollywood hasn't tried to recapture that in the longest time. I mean, there was a period of time when they were doing like. Remember when like Prince Caspian had a battle scene? Yeah, or, or remember Chronicles of Narnia where they tried to do the same charge or, as what I described. No, even worse. Alice in Wonderland by Tim Burton had a yeah. battle scene. They're trying to be Lord of the Rings when it didn't need to be. That was stupid. And, and the thing is it. that after Lord of the Rings, and you see all the watered down versions after that. Yeah. And it is like literally just Hollywood making the taste for these kind of things so bland. Yeah. Now, like, so now it doesn't feel like it's profitable to do this again. Mm. I think it's because no one gives that kind of budget anymore for these kind of uh, things. Like, no one mm. pays to have large extras fighting these massive. Um, uh, or the or whatever. Yeah, orchestrated battles. Uh, you know, with actual like you know battle formations and whatnot. It's just no one does that anymore because they'd rather put it on a computer because it's cheaper, and it just never feels the same. I mean, but Game of Thrones did pull it off. They did pull good. it off, but you know that took f- six seasons of build up. And there was like it's almost a decade since the, these movies actually. Yeah, right? and it. I think it also cost something like. T- 60 million to make that one episode which is amazing for TV budget yeah <laughs> like that that's a minor film like it was filmed on half that budget what? Mm. yeah <laughs> yeah we should call that movie what now what? what? <laughs> I think the one scene that kind of stuck to me I mean it's not even a battle scene for crying out loud it's in Fellowship of the Ring when Frodo met Bilbo at the time when they were handing over the items and shit. Oh, and, and we had the ring. And it was, go, it was like doing that cat face thing. I was like, holy shit, that that's, that's going to haunt my dreams for days that to is come, man. That is legitimately one of the scariest scenes in cinema. Just the teeth and the eyes, just that freeze frame. You're like, oh my god, that's scary yeah, it's shit. it's because we hadn't seen Gollum yet. So that was kind of like, you know, foreshadowing for when we finally catch that bastard. Yeah. You actually hear him in the Fellowship of the Ring, but when, he's, when it comes to Two Towers, that's when you see him in action. Oh, trust in me, the shade and I've everything. I've seen each film at least 10 times. I, I know them better. Yeah. Back. Exactly. You don't need to yeah. tell me what we saw and didn't see. This crazy stuff. Mm. That's the one thing that stood out to you in all three movies. No, no. no I mean, this is more like okay. That's one part, and then at the end of Fellowship of the Ring, when um, Samwise was actually giving a not even a speech at all, just telling him, "You're gonna have to save this bread or something." And then, then Frodo was like, well, "For what?" And then for the journey home. And then they look at both the faces. That like, was start of finish. Sorry, start, start of two towers. It was definitely the end of Fellowship of the Ring because that happened. Start of two towers. Either way, yeah, that was a scene that actually caught to me too. Because at least we know that, yeah, that's that's like some powerful way of telling a story without actually saying much or anything at all. Yeah. Per se. So at least, despite the fact that there's so many effects coming in and all that showcasing fights here and there in the Battle of Helm's Deep, at least Peter Jackson knew where the heart was. It was between the friendship of two hobbits, per se, yeah. and, and their journey together through all this shit. And I mean, I also liked some of the deleted scenes which they cut out but they added back in the extended editions. Like um, in the second film where you see Boromir being sent off by his father to try and find the ring. Which mm-hmm. added to his mm-hmm. story. Yeah, 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 which yeah. is where like, oh, what? he's not just a dickhead. He actually has motivation. Hey, what we're trying to tell you, Last King fans, is the edit that actually affects the movie. Not Absolutely. so much anything else. Oh, I mean, and speaking of edits, you know, uh, John was talking about how one thing he really hated that they could cut out from... Uh, was the, the death of Saruman. Yeah. He was quite... An asshole in the first two films, so to see him get a comeuppance would be nice, but for some reason that got edited out when I saw the theatrical version of the Return of the King. Right? Yeah. yeah, It only was added in in a director's cut, right? In the extended yeah. edition, yeah. Extended edition. But you still have to understand, that movie had enough endings. <laughs> yeah. We really didn't like, like, if you just cut at probably that scene where Frodo wakes up, 
I'm yeah. fine. <laughs> and then True you could roll credits right there. <laughs> That's, an, that's okay enough. Yeah, but that's not where the books ended, Shafiq. <laughs> Nobody cares. Yeah, <laughs> people wanted some closure, so yeah, sure, I had all these yeah, extra well, so endings where I had to not go to the toilet to watch this entire bunch of stuff unload to the end. I was really that, holding my piss really for just... three hours. Wow. Yeah, that was insane, dude. That's pl- poor planning on your part. Yeah, I know, it was my, it was my fault. <laughs> well, speaking of unload, I think Kevin Smith had one of the best jokes ever. How he yes, I know, go on, go on, tell that story, tell that story. So basically, have, have you heard this one? No. It's during one of his evening specials where he was talking about, you know how I would have ended Lord of the Rings? That moment when Frodo wakes up, and then he makes eye contact with Sam, and they look at each other in that loving gaze, and then like Sam goes over, and bricks in his mouth. <laughs> <laughs> That's how it would have ended. Like, yes. Credits. <laughs> Credits. <laughs> that would have been the yeah. That would have been a very brave ending yeah. right there. And people have paid money for it. That's the and crazy like, part. I would have bought that. You know, as a as a as a sign of affection from one <laughs> hobbit to another. Like, <laughs> we 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 went through all this shit together. Let me shit in your mouth right now. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> you can see Elijah Wood's eyes just roll in excitement. <laughs> and he's got such expressive eyes. <laughs> No, but uh, I will say this, right? Here's the thing. Let's talk about the curse of Lord of the Rings. Oh, no one had a the, good career outside of it. Well, you know. Well, so Ian McKellen kind of did. Orlando well, Bloom had some Pirates of the Caribbean success. Technically, I don't success know. Okay, quote unquote success. He wasn't in all the movies. Only like was, three of them. He was like. He's going, been in 80% of them. Okay. <laughs> and most of the time, he's just being outacted by Johnny Depp. Yeah. I mean, he also tried to do like the romantic. Elizabeth Town, right? Anybody remember what that was about? No. Nobody cares? Uh, It it, it introduced the whole Manic Pixie trope, I believe. Vigor had a bit of a career with David Cronenberg. He tried uh, the next big thing with Hildalgo, which was not bad, but I don't think it made much money. No, but I would say, he actually found Footing as a more serious actor, like when he worked with Cronenberg doing Eastern Promises. um, what was it called? Uh, History of Violence. History of Violence. Mm-hmm. And also recently in Captain Fantastic. Uh, amazing. Yeah, that, he was really good. But like my favourite Viggo Mortensen movie post Lord of the Rings is The Road. Oh, oh man, movie. yes. We forgot about that. that. Talk about a cut, uh, wrist-cutting session for two and a half hours. Mm-hmm. Jesus Christ. Talk about how eating shit actually sounds viable. <laughs> yeah. No, but anyway, uh, then... The thing is, a lot of people just dropped off the map. Like Liv Tyler didn't really have much of. Uh, well, she thing going she was only she was living off for being yeah. Steve Tyler's daughter, right? To begin with. Have you not seen One Night in McCool, sir? No. You would love that movie. <laughs> uh, then I would say, well, yeah, Elijah Wood kind of had. He doesn't. He was in Dirk Gently, wasn't he? He was what? Dirk Gently, holistic. Yeah, but the thing is, that happened now. Yeah, he doesn't. Since then? But I don't think he wants to. He was a psychotic killer and maniac. That was actually not bad. No, it's a terrible remake. And he he was the serial killer in Sin City. Yeah, the yellow bastard, right? Yeah, but true, but in a non speaking role. So. His expressive eyes back in action again. That yeah. was fine. But then it was nice to see Mickey Rook, like, you know, draw and quote. Yeah, mm. and uh, John Rice Davis went back to British TV. Well, but of course, the true success story Sean B. <laughs> <laughs> After getting it killed in the first uh, Lord of the Rings, went on to be killed in the first season of Game of Thrones. He's a walking meme. And then, like, <laughs> that movie where he gets killed. <laughs> and the other movie where he gets killed. And that yeah. movie where, you know, where I think killed. I think the only time he never got killed was probably narrating and uh, becoming the VO Wrong. in uh, Civilization 6. I can name that one time he didn't get killed in the movie. 
which is that bullshit Wachowski Jupiter right? yes Jupiter Ascending that, that was a the terrible one, film the one movie he survived was a terrible movie no, no, he also survived in Ronin did he? yeah that, that's pre Lord of the Rings sir but he was mm. character assassinated by Robert De Niro which is almost the same thing uh, I agree yes I'll never forget him in Civilization Six. That's for sure. Oh yeah, <laughs> he does so, the voiceover. Yeah. The really kick-ass voiceover, mind you. Which leads into our favorite segment, you know, like our top ten uh, Sean Bean deaths. <laughs> no, no, I don't think we have it. We are not doing that. I don't think he's died ten times even. Yeah. I'm pretty sure, but I would say my favorite time he got killed was when he was shot in the face by Christian Bale in equilibrium. That was um, pretty good. Was like pretty when good. he held the book up, like through his. Yeah, there you go. You know, knowledge, death. <laughs> But you know what, let's wrap up this segment. Okay, that's all we can really say about Lord of the Rings. I mean, we could go on about the director, we can go about every other option. We can talk about but the at the end of the day, really this is a very monumental people. franchise. Like Movies were great. Mm, the trilogy, yeah. Movies were great. Uh, there are many versions of the movies for you to, pre- to appreciate. Another timeline, I guess, because I think we're yeah, right. But I would say, yeah. The Peter Jackson ones were definitely more memorable, definitely. Course. How long do you think before Hollywood tries to remake them? I give God, it I hope not anytime soon, though. You know no way. 2025, I, I'm saying right now, 2025, we'll see the first 2040, season. I'm guessing? Oh, no. Hollywood isn't that patient. Yeah, I would say that this is the kind of thing. It's like... This we will, will be, be alive to see it. <laughs> that, 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 that's, that's really sad, dude. Yeah. Because it's like... I What I feel is like this is going to be just like those Robin Hood movies in like our grandparents' time. Like, oh, they're making mm. another Robin Hood. You know? Oh, yeah. Well, it's going to be like one of those. Reservoir was. was only remade three times. Eight times. Really? The famous one is the eighth one they made. Mm, there you go. So yeah, that, that, that is sad. I would say yeah. this is the definitive uh, Lord of the Rings version. And uh, well, hey, last King fan, tell us what's your Lord of the Rings moment. Uh, we're gonna take a quick break. Then we're gonna go into uh, Mr. Tom's full review on uh, what was it again? Shadow of War. How does War cast a shadow? I don't know. There you go. Okay. With really good lighting, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> and on that bad joke. <laughs> See you soon. You cannot pass the second part of this episode of the, about Lord of the Rings from the Last King podcast. Nice segue, by the way. <laughs> I love how you just stumble into that. Yeah. One does not simply stumble into the second segment of the Last King podcast. There you go, the no, champion of segueing. Anyway, uh, so we're going to be talking about uh, the big release of uh, the current uh, Lord Month. of the Rings. <laughs> I think the, the first major release of the full season of gaming, Shadow of War. Sorry, Middle Earth TM Shadow of War. Where's the Lord of the Rings in this? It's the setting lah. I know, but wouldn't people be confused? Like, is this a Lord of the Rings game? I think they should know um, based on the typecast by the yeah, way like, the sign Lego looks. Star Wars has both Lego and Star Wars in the title. Yeah. Do many people know what Middle Earth is? I don't know, I mean, because we had the Hobbit. I think they're better so, after the films. <laughs> I think enough people understand. And also, anyone who doesn't understand is probably too stupid to know what a game is as well. And doesn't deserve mm. to play video games. Mm. You know what I'm looking forward to? Yeah. Lego's... Middle-earth shadow of war. <laughs> Wouldn't that be the funniest thing ever? That will be like, two years down the line. It's probably Lego, on Warner Brothers' calendar. Little Lego pieces are branding each other. Yeah. Like little Lego pieces, you know, holding onto their faces. Suffer me now! <laughs> In a like, very cute voice. Uh, or it'd be like, before they started adding a voice, we like, rah, 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 rah. 
Anyway, we're so anyway, Shadow of War. Tom, you've played this for twenty hours straight, so Ooh, not straight. Okay, well, I ha- I have you some life. <laughs> okay, yeah. I mean, it it seems like that to my wife, but <laughs> 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 there have been some breaks where I have had to, you know, have a day job and all that. So and please, a yeah. and a wife. <laughs> so please tell and us. <laughs> so please tell us. Does this do this is um this is a better sequel is this a true sequel to one of the best lord of the rings games that since forever done? since forever uh for the most part yes and let me build on that so very very briefly the setting is that did you both play the shadow of mordor to its full? oh hell yeah, yeah we did you did you play to the end yeah you remember the bit at the end where he says we must make a new ring and then his eyes turn red they make a new ring. Okay. They so and then they lose it. Game. <laughs> right. Five minutes when Shadow War starts, they yeah, lose it. They make a ring. They try to get the ring. Uh, they lose the ring to Shelob. Oh, right. Spider Who's Queen. Who's a woman now. Uh, she's not a spider. She's now a pretty woman in a revealing dress. No but spider she arms. Spider yeah. If she wants she has no spider yeah. arms coming out from the back. Is no, that like Kerrigan? She, she's just purely pretty woman. How do you feel as a Lord of the Rings fan? When uh, I am self-aware enough to not be that outraged, but I was very unsure. Like, was this really necessary? Anyway, she's not in the game for too long, so you know, my any kind of distaste around that isn't there for too long, only for the first six to eight hours. And then you go through the standard rigmarole of you go to Minas Ithil, where they're being attacked, you try to save the city. Spoiler alert, it doesn't work. It becomes Minas Morgul, you fight the Witch King who's voiced by Matthew Mercer in this game. Oh, okay. Who does it very, very well. And then finally you go, you move back to Nern, which was in the first game, and that's where you get your ring back, and you can start dominating Orcs again. And that's where the game really begins. Which is how many hours in after the like tutorial section? Oh, a good 10 hours. Well, it depends. If you really just uh, steamroll through the story section, you could probably get there within four hours. Okay. But mm-hmm. I was taking my time because I was getting all the collectibles I could because I like having a nice clean map. Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. So it, it added extra time. And then you got onto the main thing, which is where you have to conquer uh, region after region after region. And then you get to the final act, which I'm not there yet, which apparently is even more conquering stuff. And then you get the final end, which I don't know what it is, but I'm just going to talk about my experiences so far. So how much has changed since the first game in terms of like going through the ranks of the orcs? How big is it expanded, right? So it's, maybe you can explain it's a bit. It's expanded to a certain extent. I mean, you still have the rising thirty ranks, and mm-hmm. some. Uh, it's still all the orcs are still procedurally generated, and they still have all their weird, like unique uh, identities and quirks and idioms. And they've really expanded it in this game, which is great. I mean, I've only come across two orcs which said the same thing to me. Every other time, they've been really different. Like. I came across one guy who had a very strong Glaswegian accent who spoke really quickly. It's like, hey man, what are you doing? You have the ring of power. I'm gonna kill you now. This was an orc talking to me. Oh, okay. Yeah, and then I had this one, one fucker who kept coming to me, who kept on coming back even after I killed him. What's his name? He was called, I think, Gerbu the Drunkard. Okay. He was this really fat orc who had like bottles of grog stuck in and he's like, going, hey, what's going on? And he's just like, Waving around, he's taking the sword. Like, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna kill you. No, wait, wait, wait. I'm gonna take another trigger grog, and then I'm gonna kill you. And then he kind of like starts trying to kill you. He was a pain in the ass. I think he's still alive somewhere. I need to kill him again. <laughs> so speaking of killing him again, is the nemesis system back? The ne- that nemesis, is a nemesis system. That's a nemesis right? system, and it still works very, very well. I mean, 
it's actually a bit better implemented this time around because you now have these strongholds you need to take down. Yep. And so you have the stronghold overlord, which you can't touch until the very end. The king orc or the king troll. Kinda, then you have the main commanders, which you can take out or you can, you know, dominate yourself. So you have insiders and then you have the different people. You still have the bodyguards, which you can assign. You can now, um, instead of having to find your orc, dominate them and then give them a command, you can command them from your army screen. Which is so much better. Rather than having to go, okay, I need to find you, you need to go to the right place, you need to summon him, you have to hope you find him. I hope he doesn't run away. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, like, just stay here, do what I tell you. And, you know, that, that works a lot better. And because they have uh, more personality, you feel a bit more attached. So okay. when your orc does die, you're like, oh, damn it. <laughs> I really like that one. And here's a new thing they've added. They can escape your domination. Oh, oh, okay. That happened to me. I was uh, just doing a random thing. I'd sent an orc into the fight pit, which is something else I'll explain a bit later. He lost, he came back, and he turned on me and attacked me. And so I did something else, which is new in the game. I humiliated him. Okay. Which is where instead of dominating him, you call him a worthless piece of filth. Okay. And he drops in rank and he runs away. If oh. you do it enough times, they lose their minds, and they become gibbering wrecks. <laughs> and the ability to speak or do anything special, just like ah, blah, blah, blah. I did not know oh, man, were man. so sensitive to insult. Apparently, <laughs> they have really fragile egos. So the, that is the well, Talon can be quite a jerk when you want the, him to be. Yeah, that's the true weakness of every orc, you know. Not the, the power of light and good. It's petty insults. Yeah, yeah, the power of making fun of him. There you go. <laughs> calling, name calling. <laughs> exactly. Sticks and stones will pop fucking <laughs> and then I briefly mentioned the fight pits, which is something else where instead of um, in the first game when you dominated a new person and you tried to make him a bodyguard, mm -hmm. they would have. Can we use another word besides dominate? <laughs> no. I'm gonna skip, keep using dominate because I know how uncomfortable it makes you. Oh gosh. No, no the thing is, every go, time on, go on, go on, go on. When you dominate an orc, you know, a different image comes into my mind. The word, the crop whip, and all that. What are you talking about? <laughs> I, think, I, I think we know that we're going there. I don't want to see either of your search histories now. Anyway, when to you, when you dominate an orc, they have to go to the fight pits. Where in the first game, they had to do like a random quest, which was like hunt caragals or something. They have to fight against another orc if there's no space for them. Okay. And it's randomly chosen which orc they fight, which is either really good. So if, for example, the new your new orc has... A fire weapon and you face someone who's very weak against fire happy days or if you have the same orc with fire weapon against someone who gets enraged by fire say goodbye to your nice new orc because he's just gonna be ruffle stomped <laughs> and so and there's a part where you're not allowed to intervene in the fight pits okay. it's purely a cutscene with a timer that you can watch and they say that oh if you intervene then your orc will be compromised then you know uh, he will die but it's just bu a bullshit reason for saying you have to sit there and hope Hope that your orc doesn't die. This sounds like cockfighting when you think about it, right? Kinda, like yeah. <laughs> standard bullshit EA. Now you're not gonna play the game. <laughs> yeah, and it's Warner Brothers this time around, so it looks like they're cribbing the worst kind of notes. Mm -hmm. It's like a free-to-play system when you think about it. Waiting for a timer and then stuff happens. It's the same thing, and then afterwards <laughs> you can send your random followers to fight each other in the fight fighting pits. And they say the reason why is so one can get more leveled up or if you want to. Yes, because you need the highest level orcs defending your base. Uh -huh. Like there's now base uh, capture now, which mm -hmm. is another mechanic. Alamitogear. Alamitogear, because they can be attacked online, and if you have the best orcs there, 
then you get better prizes if the person attacking you loses. And this is even when your game okay. is all for it. Uh, yeah, but it doesn't affect your orcs in the game. It's purely the online version gets affected. Like you won't, you know, suddenly come back to your game and find that all your high level orcs are dead because some dickhead attacked you online. Mm -hmm. At least it's not that obnoxious. Okay, that's not so bad. It's just extra busy work, lah. I'll, I'll talk more about that a bit later. There are a few other things I wanted to mention. Combat system is still good. Actually, it's a bit better now. It flows a lot better. How's the skill tree system now, it's actually? It's ridiculous. It's now... It's like Final Fantasy X levels of like ridiculousness. There are six different categories. You yep. can up, uh, upgrade five times. Each thing you upgrade, there are three sub-upgrades you can choose, which yeah. you have to switch between. So, for example, um, when you have the option to execute someone mid-combat, where you do, like, you know, pull down trigger and attack, mm. you can get an upgrade where when you're doing that, you're vulnerable, and normally if you have to parry, you stop uh, executing. With this upgrade, the Wraith comes out and parries, so you can carry on killing the Orc on the floor. Oh, nice. Which is cool, but then you have to choose that over another cool upgrade. So it's really... you have to make some sacrifices about how you want to play your game. Which to me is like, okay, I can see what you're trying to do, but it was a bit annoying. But like, if you spend your skill points in one tree, can you like, restock it in like... You can reset it, right? You can yeah. rebuild like, your character? When when you uh, choose your subsets, you can uh, freely choose between the two from the menu. Like okay. you don't need to reap it in skill points. Once you have unlocked it, it's unlocked. Okay. It's just you can't have all your toys this time around. So it's basically you're just unlocking activation and then you only can activate yeah. a certain subset of a set. Kinda. Okay. Yeah, that, that's the thing. And in combat, when you do the grand execution, you know, in the previous game, if you forget to hold down and then do the execution, if you just swing, you lose your... Um, your little uh, combo counter, yeah, which yeah. is really annoying. This time, you just hit them with an axe over the head. Like, it doesn't kill them, but it keeps them stunned, like, keeps them on the floor. Okay. So you can keep your counter going up. Okay, okay. So, so it lengthens your combo stuff. So. Yeah, it's, it's kind of just... It's a quality of life change, which is nice. And you think, oh, maybe that's making it easier. No, combat's more difficult, because they've updated the roster of kind of orcs you can fight. And now you're fighting trolls who you can't uh, vault over because they grab you midair and throw you back down on the Can ground. you climb them up, shadow up? Yeah. No, you have to jump under the legs at the right time mm -hmm. or when they're building up an attack, you can then stun them and then you can attack them. But Which sounds very similar to like those uh, oversized like venom field uh, enemies it's, in Arkham City. It's Arkham City. Mm. It is Arkham City. It's They've taken the Arkham City style and without, you know, like the grappling and all the other I shit. I mean, it is Warner it, Brothers. Yeah, exactly. It sounds like there are actually more orcs who fight in this one compared to Shadow of Mordor, like, volume-wise. Volume-wise, there are far more. I mean, the large... I'm looking forward The to largest actually. mosh pit I've had to face in Shadow of Mordor was maybe 15 at a time. Inside, uh, like, a, like a bastion, right? In, like, a bastion. In here, yeah. I think, at one point, I had 50 around me. 5-0. Holy Five zero. shit. <laughs> Yeah, and that includes, you know, the hunters, which are like the spear throwers and then the crossbowmen as well. And they are annoying because the reticle to say, warning someone shooting you is really small in this game. <laughs> so it's like, oh, I'm also almost up to uh, combat counter 39. Why am I one again? Oh, you motherfucker. <laughs> yeah. I see that. No, but, um... That does sound fun, actually. It, it's fun. It. And also, this is one small other thing I want to say, which is really nice. The GUI, the user interface is okay. much nicer to use. So rather than pips, which you have to kind of count, that makes sense to understand that, that it's was, much cleaner. Like that, the original GUI was basically you know to cater to the console kids. Yeah, you know this one it, is more PC 
I think like people could read on a lot screen, yeah. Like PC and like console have two different GUIs, you know, not, not or is it? And I don't think so. No, I it has to be. I haven't seen the console version, so I can't. Uh, I mean, especially a game with this kind of scale. I mean, like it's a hundred gig install, right? If I'm not mistaken. Yes. For the PC. Yeah. yeah. Uh, sixty-seven download, but yeah, hundred gig install. What is in in that install? Textures. I okay. Guess. Uh, a shitload of orcs. Here it's uh. I want to talk about the less good stuff. Alright, okay, alright. It is a fucking slog halfway through. And you know what I said? There are six regions. Mm -hmm. Each region has its own nemesis system, okay. its own set of side quests and collective uh, stuff to collect, and its own fortress that you have to, to get. And in every single one, you need to identify the orcs, get the right ones, come through the fighting pit, build them up in strength, take down the commanders, take down the strongholds. Each, if you're very, very good, takes you at least 10 hours per region. And sometimes, because you can't dominate orcs which are higher level than you, sometimes you just need to grind by killing captains because you can't get um, XP from killing ordinary orcs anymore. It's only through missions, getting collectibles, or killing captains. And then it's rinse and repeat all the way. Yeah, it's just rinse and repeat until you're high level enough to get all of the orcs. Which. That isn't the end game at all. No, actually. like the end game is even further down the field, which I haven't even touched yet because you know I've only had two weeks to play this game. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Doesn't it sound so weird? I've only had two weeks to play a game. But right now, like, are you feeling like this is getting a bit too tired? Are you getting or a bit of a burnout, it, especially? I am feeling a little bit burnt out because I'm at the point where I'm just too low level to get all the orcs I need for the regions I want to get. Oh, that's where you just have to pay to win, sir. <laughs> have you heard of the mighty loot box system? Oh, wow. Uh, We're going to jump into that. Let's go right into that right now. Yeah. Fuck the loot boxes. Okay. Loot boxes have no place in a single player game. We're going to have to address the elephant in the room, uh, right? So. Okay, yes. The Timothy elephant in the room? <laughs> yes. It is completely optional. Yes, you can do it by just killing orcs. Yes, you can do it by online infected missions. But that's choosing a hundred hours of a second job over, I don't know what the conversion is, but probably like $10. Oh. But even then, it's loot boxes. It's not you're guaranteed to get a good orc. You could spend easily $50 and get... A color. You, you get, <laughs> oh, you get this really cool looking orc on a warg. I'm sorry, Karagor. But he's 10 levels too low. Oh, what the fuck am I meant to do with this guy? <laughs> or, like... I really want this orc. Oh, you get a nice sword. I have a sword. I have a really nice sword. I like the sword. I don't need the sword. Also, yeah, there's loot now. There's just random crap you can pick up. Like you can get, you know, new swords, From new armor, battle, right? new uh, cloaks, and new rings. Like the whole <coughs> plot point at the beginning of the game was you need to forge this new power ring. But guess what? Random orcs you kill sometimes have rings that you can pick up and put on to replace the ring you have. Completely undercutting the setup from the beginning of the game. And the books. And the books! <laughs> why, why is the Lord of the Rings so important? I've got rings too. We've all got rings! Like, rings for everybody! Like some random... You get a ring! Like you get a ring! <laughs> I know, it's like, like, what? Why does a random fuckwit orc have, like, a. A ring of power. A ring of power. It's like, they're meant to be rare, you know? <laughs> like,. Celebrimbal was revered for making these things in the first place, and you're just some weird fuckwit who was uh, born they, five they, minutes ago. These are white-colored level rings. Okay, the Lord of the Rings, we're talking about legendary gold rings, and then we have the not-so-rare, but kind of you know, hard-to-find purple tier ones. Yep. And then there's the exclusive to the GameStop ones. orange ones. <laughs> Orange is a new purple. And then like, you know, the green ones are the ones you pick up but don't really need. Oh, and don't even get me started on the 
season pass bullshit they've included in this game. So what has been promised so far? Uh, a campaign where you play as an elf woman assassin. That's what the Lord of the Rings needs. More women representation. Because God knows J.R.R. Tolkien Martin made a massive sausage fest. <laughs> exactly, you know. So, I mean, and she does appear in the game every now and then. She's a bit not she's the most interesting character. She's even more so than the female elf from the Hobbit movies. Yes, <laughs> uh, that's a, that's an achievement, dude. That's an achievement. Do you remember her name? Evangeline Lily. Not the actress. The oh, actual uh, name. Toriel. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay, you're a big fan. You got. <laughs> I'm not a big fan. I just have a good memory. Okay. There you go. Cedric Tom, they're flexing some Lord of the Rings muscle. Oh boy. But yeah, I mean, what was I talking about? Oh yeah. Boring girls. Uh, <laughs> boring, boring elf chicks. Speaking of boring girls, horny uh, dragon girls. Uh, <laughs> the complete opposite. Speaking of boring girls, collectibles in this game. Collectibles? You get, you get to collect girls. <laughs> you get to collect memories of Shiloh. Oh. Most no. of which is her looking sultry in her black dress. Really? This sounds like the kind of collectible you find in a game like Mafia Two or Splatterhouse. Or Spider Man. Yeah, I mean, that too. She, it's it's not a uh, it's not a pinup spread. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Alright, like, there's some plot attached to it, but still. Why is she wearing a sexy black dress? <laughs> she's going funny. to seduce Sauron? I don't know. Why was she going to seduce? She's a spider. <laughs> she's a big spider. That's the, the it's it's, it's a bit of a fetish that people don't know Come about, I guess. Come back to me in 50 hours time once I've collected all the memories and then I explain what it's about. I'm going to call it right now. The, the, the big reveal <laughs> is when you collect all the memories, you like have to go to this cave where there's another ring. And then you see her in her true form. Ooh, Which but, is an even six year <laughs> But speaking of going to caves, you now have like, you know, Ifildin, like the weird writing you need to find, mm -hmm. which you need to find, which you get more loot. You have artifacts which you have to collect, which if you collect, you get a special skill upgrade. You have to do challenges. If you create all the challenges, you get skill points and extra gems. And if you get gems, you add that to your stuff. That makes it more powerful. You get special orcs, special. There's too much stuff in this game! In it, a bad way or a good way? It's Overwhelming. It's overwhelming. It's like <laughs> the first thing you do when you arrive is you have to come up to these towers, like in the first game, which you have to, you know, unlock. But then you have this weird mini game where you play like a mini Eye of Sauron and have to find everything. <laughs> like you have to zoom in and press X. Oh, like to the find Mad Max things. game where you get up in the balloons and you have to find all the. Yeah, yeah like okay. the binoculars. You reveal kind the of. location. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and you have to do that three times per region. Oh, There's man. six regions. To unlock those. Yeah. There yeah, are okay. 18 towers to do this stupid little so mini if quest. So you like the Mad Max game, you get. Shadow of Mordor plus that Mad Max game, all the mechanics in one hey, game. They're all Warner Brothers games. Indeed. So this is the ultimate Warner Brothers. <laughs> and ultimate open world game from Warner Brothers. And I mean, the thing is, I enjoyed some of the busybody work in Shadow of Mordor because they helped add extra bits to the story if you okay, wanted to look yeah, for yeah. it. Like, you know, they felt it was kind of pointless, but you got a nice little mural. Like the artifacts, you got cute little like additional stories, like the story mm -hmm. about the two Istari, the blue wizards. Those guys, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, shoutouts to all the Blue Wizard fans out there, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> but in this one, uh, you get extra stuff where if you find artifacts, this really boring woman talks about, uh, this archaeologist talks about the meaning of these Gondorian artifacts. And then you would have this really stilted like uh, dialogue between Talion and um, Celebrimbor. Like, there's a part where they pick up a lute, and the woman says something, Oh, this is a music we sometimes played to give us memories of Minas Tirith. And then afterwards, um, Tanya says, You know, I always wanted to play the lute. 
And then Calibrimbo says, loot. Yeah. <laughs> he says it almost that way. And then Calibrimbo says, your hands were made for a better purpose. Oh, shut the fuck up. You Can killed you know, kill Joy. Like, you know what? You, you got to read it differently. You mean, your, your hands were made for a better purpose. <laughs> <laughs> That's a different kind of spectrum. Uh, let me dominate you right now, sir. <laughs> loot. Or oh, there's a part where you find a Numenorian helmet and... Uh, a Numenorian helmet. Oh, yeah. And... Uh, <laughs> your mind out the gutter man and then Kilbrimbo says this is basic but good craftsmanship and then Tenny says oh that's the first time you said something complimentary about work that's not your own it's like you're not a married couple stop <laughs> trying to make this buddy comedy where it doesn't exist it's like kudos for trying I guess outside yeah. of cutscenes there's a lot of fun like you have minstrel orcs oh orcs. nice yeah, minstrel orcs with full blackface <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I think you meant troll face. Am I reading this wrong? <laughs> I, or hobbit face. I mean, like, the ones who rolled bard on their character sheets. Ah. I mean, like, they come up to you and say, I don't know who you are. I've come from afar. This thing, I'm sure I'm going to kill you. And <laughs> they, they serenade you before they kill you. Oh, that's Orbs. so cool. Yeah. It's like, all these little bits are like, oh, that's really funny. Are and they holding a really awkward tiny ukulele? <laughs> yes, they are. <laughs> It's this tiny little thing that like strumming and singing. Is it used as a weapon as well? Yeah. There's a sword coming out. And there's also, there's not on my game, but another game I watched, there was this orc called uh, The Watcher. Oh god. And you're like, come here, I wanna watch you. He's <laughs> wearing a trench coat, right? <laughs> but the cutscenes are so bland and you know, tragic and full of angst. It's like, you know, really bad soap opera levels of acting. But then you have all the unbridled silliness which happens in the main game. It's so incongruent. But the gameplay is fucking awesome. Because it's still a shadow. It's still Mordor, Shadow of Mordor with a few extra toys. <laughs> like, there's a, a new thing. Like, you remember the old beat em ups uh, tied to the movies? Like, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah, the Two Towers, Return of the King beat em ups, yeah, where right? If you filled up your special bar, you got the special thing where you. Uh, the area of attack. I mean, area like, of attack where you. Dealed extra damage. Mm -hmm. There's something similar called Elven Rage. Elven Rage? <laughs> which you but they're the most patient race. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, look, now you have two bars. You have your Might Power, which is like uh, the uh, special uh, counter, mm -hmm. which now it stays there even if you get knocked out of your um, combo. Okay. Don't ask me why. But then Elven Rage, when you fill it up, you press five on the keyboard or something else on uh, controller. And then I call that the fuck you and everyone around you mode. <laughs> nice. Because. Time stops and then Kilibrimbo just appears and starts just like stabbing, shooting at everyone. You like, oh, you like just, in the DLC from the first game. Yeah, like you go click, okay. click, 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 click. Well, not even like that because you just stay in place and then you have like. That's the rhythm like, game part. It's of like the uh, oh, cool. third scene in the Matrix where he clones himself and starts attacking everyone, but in slow motion. It's like, so I click at you there, I click at you there, I click at you there, and he's just like shooting. And if you are attacking one person, it's just arrow, 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 sword, 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 arrow, 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 and half the health bar is gone, and it's just finished. But you're not uh, impenetrable, because more than once I've been trying to do that, I've been slammed down and been killed. And I call bullshit on that game design. <laughs> like, fuck you, this should be in my fuck you mode. Don't let me be hit in my fuck you mode. No, no. I guess you gotta be careful when you use that. Yeah, I mean, you be careful. Fuck this game. <laughs> this is a world where four Dark Souls games exist, counting Bloodborne. 
It's so yeah. It so it's nice that this is a bit of challenge, yeah. No, but I think the first one was quite challenging. I this one is being... just as challenging, and I've been playing it on the hardest mode, Nemesis mode. Yeah. And they said you will die, and I have died. Like my God, have I died? It's unforgiving. Like the first time I went to Baradur, one mm -hmm. of the new things, I got killed within five minutes of arriving. I. I was walking around, minding my own, two captains appeared and stopped me into the dirt. They're like, I just arrived! <laughs> so you... your life got flipped, turned upside down? Yeah, I was like... <laughs> <laughs> like could you have not like, given me a time to tour the sites before you, like, you curb stop my face? Then you have to move into another bastion with your aunt and yeah. uncle. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> This is like the fresh Boromir of... <laughs> fresh Boromir of Mordor. Mordor air. But hey, at least all the different regions look very distinct. Right? You know you're in different places. Like Nern is nice and lush and green. Um, Saragost is very cold. Gorgoroth is full of volcanoes and it's very vertical. Okay. Yeah. Like it's a bit more condensed map, but there are more levels to go down. So more places have... do aerial attacks and shit. Kind of. Like you have all the pits where you have to go down into the lava sections. In uh, Baradur, it's very cliffy, so there are parts where you have to kind of go around the cliffside. Minas Ifil is Minas Ifil. I'll be honest with you, you're actually selling me on this game if we're not for the whole microtransaction loot box thing I mean, coming in the way. Much as I uh, mastered it, it is, and I can see this through gritted teeth, it isn't necessary, but it saves at least 50 hours. Excuse me, at least 50 hours of grind if you do spend the money on the loot boxes. And I don't think you should, honestly. You absolutely should not. You should... Be a fan and just play the game. Yeah. Ugh, no. What you should do is play it on PC and then you can go to uh, Game Breaker and then you can get a code where you get unlimited coins. That <laughs> Okay, that works, that works. Because <laughs> even it, with the lower level loot boxes, if you have infinite money, just keep buying enough until eventually you get your good shit. Then you're fine, you're sorted. Mm -hmm. And you can, you know, uh, recycle orcs you don't want or gear you don't want to get money back. So, I mean, they put thought into it, but still, fuck microtransactions, man. But yeah, especially <clears throat> like a PC game that already has a season pass and then microtransactions. Like, do you want to know how much I paid for my copy? Yeah, hundred and forty-five dollars. <laughs> Damn. Yeah, because I got that thing because I want to play the story. The story editions because complete, yeah. yeah i want a complete game i don't want a shell of a game which i'll go oh well i guess i'll buy this bit later which is what i had to do for shadow of mordor i had to spend another 40 dollars to buy the bright lord campaign so i think i remember getting the season pass with it like for me shadow or mordor i did not hate the dlc or the pricing I mean, but the then again i don't remember buying it on day one i do <laughs> I, I did remember i bought it later yeah, I bought it much later, but I remember like just the base game without season pass felt full enough. Yeah, I mean, for now I'm still in base game and it still feels full enough, but I mean the story feels very stunted in many regards. Mm -hmm. I mean, after the first act and a half, they become side missions, like big story things, like the big driving plot, which would be you against the Witch King, is relegated towards a side note. Okay. Mm. And, you know, they introduce a spirit of the forest, which you have to do missions for, where you fight a fucking Balrog. Alright, yeah. that's cool. Yeah, you fight this guy called... Actual size one. I think he's a little bit smaller, but he's uh. bullshit to fight. <laughs> like, there's a mission where uh, it's just you against him, 
and you try to attack him normally and you die within two stomps. And I didn't realize until the fifth time I died that mm -hmm. it was a... You have to just not be killed for a minute until she comes back to rescue you and then you can fight from top of the dragon. Oh yeah, the dragon's in this game now. Oh, okay. Finally. Yeah. So, I mean, I could say little bits here and there and everywhere, but overall... What about unnecessarily large eagles that could just rescue you? Uh, apparently, <laughs> apparently that's shit you can buy later on in the, as uh, oh, special really? things, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not sure people were joking about that, but yeah. I would say if you like beat-em-up style action games, and if you like the combat style from Shadow of Mordor, from Arkham Asylum, Arkham City, Arkham Knight, you would enjoy that part of this game. If you don't mind, like, grinding, Again, I think this game is for you. I mean, if you're a completionist, then yeah. this might be a little bit yeah. more of a if task. You, if you really like the world of Lord of the Rings, but not a fanatic about the lore, mm. you know, like it is, if you are, you know, one of those diehard fans who says, if it's not in a Silmarillion, it's not canon, you will hate this game. Because <laughs> they play rough and ready with uh, the story. Damn. But yeah. those guys hated the first game too. Yeah, that's like fuck him. <laughs> like I enjoyed it because to me, like it felt like it took a while before there was a decent Lord of the Rings game. And all I had to do was basically borrow a bit from the Batman games. Like the last good Lord of the Rings game was Battle for Middle Earth. I enjoyed it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I didn't. Enjoy that was a long time ago, I, man. I, I didn't mind the the Dynasty Warrior ish style uh, beat em ups, but the thing is, like, like we were in a world where like Arkham Asylum was the definitive action game, yeah. where mm -hmm. it's like. Okay, like if you couldn't handle the Japanese button mashing combo craziness of stuff like Devil May Cry mm. or Bayonetta, okay, here's the Americanized kind of. It's not about memorizing combos; it's about you know finesse and timing, and then like yeah. it works so well with Arkham, Arkham City. It's like a ballet then, of destruction. Yeah, and then all of a sudden, okay, you transfix that, uh, transfix, transpose that to say a Lord of the Rings set, setting, and it works really well. And it works well too because it's all about hand-to-hand -hand combat. Because it, like you have to understand, like uh, to me. Like the only American like counter to say like the Devil May Cry series was God of War, mm. and God even of War then, is not great. No, <laughs> I mean like it was it better in spectacle, but it was still it fun has to play. It's fans, but at the same time, it's, it's quick time heavy as well, which is. <laughs> Does any of that exist in this game? Sometimes yes, but I haven't come to any point where it's really really quick timey. It's more like. Like there's some parts where it's kind of faster reactions where you need to do a certain thing at the right press time. Press X to dodge, mm. press Y yeah. to win now. Or your last chance moment, you know, when oh, okay. you know, like the second win bit. Yeah. The second win bit, like, yeah, that's still kind of quick time, but that makes sense. Same with dominating characters and shit like no, that. But I don't mind that because then it tests your reflexes, which you should yeah. really, you know, have heightened during your combat. Not during like a cutscene where all of a sudden, hey, press X, you don't die now. Yeah, or like the final boss battle in uh, Shadow of Mordor. <laughs> Shall we mention that? No, no. Let's Talk about disappointment. So, no. are you going to continue playing uh, Shadow War? Absolutely. Right? And I mean, I've not completed the game, and it's probably be a long time before I do. But preliminary, I'm going to give this, I think, a seven and a half out of ten. But okay, let me like you know maybe analyze your rating a little bit yeah. more. So seven and a half, say a strong B, right? Yeah. Let's weigh. Uh, what disappointed you the most? against what you felt was the, was the best improvements? Best improvements were, you know, uh, the combat is actually refined. I didn't know that they could, but they managed to make it that little bit smoother, tweak okay. it just a little bit better, and also make it a bit more challenging, so you actually feel like you earn your you know, high uh, combo counter. Because it's not like based on like PS3 and Xbox 360 yeah. technology, and where you don't have all these latency problems. Yeah, and there's a couple of uh, quality of life things, like you don't have to press a certain button to pick up um, Elfshot anymore, which is nice. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but can you just walk over it and it automatically yeah. adds 
Oh. Yes, nice. game nice. developers yeah. stop having a button to pick up shit. And uh, <laughs> you know, the extra, uh, the new enemies make fights far more varied. So you know, now it's rather just pressing X X Y X X B X X X A A X X. There's now extra bits where you need to do a lot more running around. You need to do a lot more shooting. It feels more varied. That's the main thing. The story is meh. Just about good enough to keep my attention, but not good enough to make me go, Oh my god, I'm so invested in these characters. Like, this is no early Bioware. Okay. Um, but I don't think this game set up to do that. No, of course not. And I mean, the environments are nice and varied and pretty. And, I mean, the combat's a slog, but because you're facing so many different orcs who have so many fantastic personalities, I don't mind. I like meeting these new orcs, and I like trying to wonder what they're gonna say next. Like some are deep and broody and emo-y, some are crazy, <laughs> some are drunk, some are, uh, you know, just from the north of England for some reason. Have you met the Indian orc yet? I think one of them was voiced by Kumail from, uh, what's that, uh, Silicon yes, Valley. Yes, I think I've met him, I think I killed him. <laughs> really? Probably. But Kumail and Johnny has an annoying accent, I love It's him. the same accent he uses. Like, I love you, Kamal. You're a fantastic, funny guy, but my God, vary up your accent when you're doing voice work. Jesus Christ. That's <laughs> yeah. Indian and that's more Indian. Mm, what? I can say it. I'm Indian. Sure. sure. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the main thing that let me down is like the grind, the busy work. And it's just, honestly, I need to say the microtransactions do bring the score down. Like, if they didn't include the loot boxes, this would be up at least one percentage points. I'd probably be up to 8.5 or something. Okay, so, so like because they included that, it's added extra parts. Like because of microtransactions, you know, it's more grindy. It takes longer to level up. It takes longer to get fortresses. You now need to. So this game suffers from like a lot of padding, basically. Yeah, it's unnecessary padding. Like, why do you need to add something so shilly and awful? To Especially when you already paid 140 or 60 dollars for people on yeah. the regular version for it. Yeah, you know? for what is at its core a really, really good game which does what a sequel should do. Use the first game as a jumping off point, you know, keep the parts that you like, add parts which help make it broader, you know. Make the Nemesis better? Sure, Nemesis system is much better. Make the combos look more interesting? They're more interesting. A very up move so Absolutely. You know, more places to visit? Fantastic. Don't make me spend 20 hours collecting shit just so I can dominate the right orc so I can take down this citadel. You motherfuckers. Let me get XP from killing random gobos. Like, why can I only get XP from killing certain named people? Stuff like an op open world game is unfortunately very linear. It's very Ubisoft-y. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> it's like a lot of dicking around until you're ready to do the Here's main mission. Here's an open world, but do these things in a certain order Do the first. checklist <laughs> yeah, I mean, before you go the main quest. On a scale of Red Dead Redemption to L.A. Noire, which are the two points of open world, yeah. it's closer towards L.A. Noire, I would say. Oh, man. I didn't not, not, not all the way there, but I mean, like, L.A. Noire, you know, not a bad game, but it didn't need to be open world. Yeah, that was, yeah, that was the most really useless true. open world. Like, there was nothing to collect, there was some side missions, it was literally just... There were, there we was need a, to pad the time from A to B. There was that achievement where you had to drive every single type of car. Yeah, 
It's padding all the way around. It's very hard to do, yeah, sir. Because they, they all handle like bollocks anyway, because it's the 1950s. No, it's even worse. They all look the same. Yeah, it's like. How do you recognize them? <laughs> this is the 1952 version of this van. It's like, it looks just like that car there. You see this Buick? Yeah, it's slightly different from that Buick. It's got a different tailpipe. And then once you're big enough, you'll get to drive a Chevrolet. Oh, fuck you. And here's that weird car that only appears once every five hours. <laughs> anyway, but. So, uh. Here's the important question. What is missing or what is lacking to give this the perfect score? It's lacking the absence of microtransactions, a slightly tighter story. I don't mind having a more linear story with having still the fuck around bit. Mm -hmm. Like, just integrate it a bit more seamlessly because they did that fine in Shadow of Mordor. It feels a little bit more disjointed here. Mm. Like, give it the option of, yes, you can dick around a bit, but it still adds to the overall story, but you will eventually want to return here. There's a lot of story missions I can probably never ever touch and complete the game without ever looking back. That could be tighter. Um, I give me XP from killing orcs. So I would say, like, if you wanted to play a Lord of the Rings game, get this one or just play the, the no, first no. one. No, no. I would recommend if you enjoyed Shadow of Mordor, you will find enough in this, this game. This is the sequel you're waiting for. This is a sequel. Nah, I guess so. I guess so. This is the sequel you kind of wanted and. Unfortunately, it's attached to... Yeah, yeah, I mean, I was so hyped for this game, and... Me too, man. Yeah. Unfortunately, there are some things which have kind of broken me a little bit, but I played 20 hours, and I wanted to play those 20 hours. <laughs> I wasn't playing just because of, oh, I need to do this for the review. I wanted to play this game. It was enough to make me go, oh, I want to get back into this. You know what's really quaint? Yeah. Remember the original backlash where, oh, it's too colorful. Like, that is the least of its problems yeah. now. And to be honest, I like the color. I like the fact that... a lot that, of saturation yeah, now, right? Uh, do you want it to be like the movies? Oh, so we've got some black, a bit of red. There's a, a lot of black brown for you, sir. Yeah. <laughs> oh, we've got a bit of gray. That's nice. Uh, oh, yeah, that looks a little green. Oh, no, he's just vomiting. No, he's, he's back to brown. All right. That's Kumail Nanjanani. <laughs> 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 I'm sorry. I can say it. I think with that, we can end, wrap yeah, up the show. I think uh, this is the end. Um, let me know, uh, are you two going to play it? And let us know out there, are you going to be picking up this game? Are you going to be, you know, paying through your nose to get all your you know, special orcs? Through your large orc nose. Mm. Yeah, pray through your large orc nose for your With nice the rubbing shilling. hands and all that. Oh boy. Oh, shilling is yeah. my business. The shillock. The business is good. <laughs> the shillock. <laughs> so, um, I would say this, like, um, I don't know. It's a strong B, uh, not totally recommended, but if you're a fan, go for it. If not... I know I might get my copy eventually, but uh, I just my, have a lot of stuff I'm coming out. I'm gonna wait out. for sale. Foreshadowing. It doesn't like something that <laughs> I don't need to play now. It'll probably come in the winter sale. Go play it, let Which me know what you think. A week from now. A week from now is Halloween sale. It's been announced. Oh, Jesus Christ. They won't have it so soon. It's not definitely on the winter sale. No, no, they, they leaked the... Oh, the Shadow sale. War is gonna be out? No, no, no. They, it's, it's not. It's not going to be on sale. It's not going to so be on soon, sale. So but you know what's going to be on sale? What? Shadow Mordor. Uh, oh yeah. Okay. There For you like go. Ten dollars. Or if you just buy this package, you know. Like, get it for free when you spend extra money on you this You pay hundred dollars and you get the first game for free. <laughs> That's definitely going to happen. You Absolutely. Know? Yeah. Knowing Warner Brothers, or even worse, you have the the Warner Brothers bundle. Yeah. yeah. All the Batman games. Yeah. Come. If you haven't owned them yeah. yet. Yeah. And here's Arkham City. I don't want Arkham City. <laughs> Oh, but it's so the game fun. of the year edition! It's on your edition. recommended list! <laughs> game of the year edition! All your friends like it! <laughs> no, but I would say this, like, okay, it's a week till the Halloween sale, and you know it's also a, uh, a week from now? 
Halloween? Ragnarok! Oh yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, so yeah, next week we'll definitely go into full review on the new the, the Marvel train is starting again. Choo choo! The new Taika Waititi film. Say that again? Taika, Taika Waititi. Waititi. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta love him white titties. Yeah, uh, white titties, my favorite. Anyway, but <laughs> uh Thor's coming up, uh Halloween is definitely coming out. Okay, so Stranger Things season two, a lot of new content, a lot of new topics that's uh, gonna be covered here by your friends at Last King Podcast. Please follow us on the social medias. Uh, this is definitely the wrap up to our Lord of the Rings uh, spectacular. Yeah, I promise you, this is the end. Even though we've had like three or four endings so far. Yeah. No, no, there's definitely this true. is the last ending. No, this is only another ending. Uh, the only. Yeah, 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 yeah. This, is, this is the second, second. This is the penultimate, ultimate ending. Yeah. Okay, so yeah. Follow your friends at the Last King Podcast. <laughs> Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, uh, all the social media. Make mm. sure you're subscribed to an Apple Podcast because you might have been unsubscribed when they changed it. Yeah, the iOS update kind of, uh, you know, screwed it a little bit. But we are now on the feature page of uh, the iTunes Store. Woohoo! Finally, in certain markets, v- validation in certain markets, or you know, in certain. Uh, if I had a kazoo here, I would use it right now. What? Because you know that thing, the party favor thingy? Sure, okay. Yeah. Okay, anyway. <laughs> not sure if reference or just random. Yeah, very random. Uh, but, uh, so, okay, uh, please yeah, do subscribe to us on iTunes, okay? Give us a like, give us a rating. You know We're that? still on SoundCloud? We're yes. still on SoundCloud. Check us out on yeah. SoundCloud, please. Definitely. So, uh, okay, uh, let's sign off. Uh, I have been Lord Eccentric Tom, captain of the Citadel Guard of Minas Tirith, sure. And I am Shaffing the White. No, you're not. Yes, I am. You shall not color me. <laughs> I'm Mr. Tafio of Bag End, and that's it. Okay, now you end again. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>